Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and we are continuing part two of our insurance episode. Uh, The prerequisite uh, to this episode, there isn't really a prerequisite. I mean, the first episode is usually a prerequisite as in we talk about baseline things to do with insurance and the way the world. But this episode, it's literally a Q&A. I'm joined again by Phil Thompson from Sky Wealth. Welcome back to this episode, Phil. Thanks, buddy. And we put in the Facebook group that you're a... Uh, I've actually... There's not many moderators, Phil, but I've given you a moderator. I am a tick, moderator. I so don't moderate anything. You don't do but, anything. Um, I look at the history and it's just like, <laughs> oh, Phil doesn't do anything, really. I get notifications and then I just say, I'm not going to delete anything or I'll let Glenn do all that. Mm, there's so many questions here and we're just going to talk about life cover, TBD cover, trauma cover, income protection, answer all your questions. It's a deep dive. I don't know how long this will go, but at the time of recording, just for any date stamping legislation things, uh, it's the 31st of March, March 2021. A lot can change, uh, but this should be relatively accurate for the next year or so, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about any upcoming legislation that we kind of know about, but... So, you want to jump straight into it, Phil? Let's do it. Yeah, all right. Pumped. Madison Killick-Grennan, if I've pronounced your name, she's got a question. Basically, she wants to know, uh, the mum, for example, single or stay-at-home parent, she's done a little um, case study for us, Phil. Bob and Susie have two young kids. Bob earns 100K and Susan earns 35K from her part-time job. Life insurance payout for Bob is double what Susan's is. But if Susan kicks the bucket, Bob has to reduce his hours, potentially sell their home and now raise the kids alone. But on about half the payout, his life is dramatically changed financially, but that insurance won't even cover the mortgage if Susan was to die. Can I paraphrase or extract a question from this? I think the question is, if you are earning less than your partner, should you be insured for the same amount? Or or there's one spouse that completely stayed home parent. Yep. And not generating an income outside of the home. Yeah. So, I I mean, I do get this question um, sometimes um, when the main income earner speaks to me and saying, well, do I really need to cover my partner? Um, stay-at-home mum or stay-at-home dad? Um, and my answer is always yes. It's super important. If you've got kids, um, you just think about the impact of if one of you were to pass away. It doesn't matter about the loss of income. That's obviously important um, and that keeps the, the household afloat. 
but it's also just thinking about the actual impact on life. Um, if I know my wife, she's um, at home with our girls and, and riding full time, so she's not earning an income. Um, but I know if she kicks the bucket, I am stuffed. Mm. And so we've got a huge amount of you know cover for her. Yeah, and I always used to say to my clients, it's like, look, if the lower income spouse was to not be around, yes, you want the house made off. Yes, you want maybe 500 grand to get a part-time housekeeper or nanny. Yep. Like you just need options. Yeah. And it's too late after the fact if it's not set up. So, I think I wrote on this comment, Phil, that generally speaking, most insurance companies would dish up to about a million dollars for a non-working spouse. That's right. You'd yeah. probably get up to 1.5 with some financial evidence yep. that there yeah, is a bigger you can, income. You can extend it if, you know, you've just got to prove why why it makes sense. Yeah, because insurance isn't a windfall. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's not a lottery ticket. So, yeah, it's a good question. And you know what? Some of the smartest people get caught up with this because I've shared the story before, Phil, that had a client, um, medical doctor, $2 million income. His wife... Um, worked two days a week uh, as a doctor as well. And he said, no, I don't need trauma cover for her or death cover really because, you know, I'm the main income earner. Yeah. And I said, well, mate, if she did, you know, die prematurely or suffer from cancer, would you not want six months away from the practice just to be with your three kids? Mm. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. And I just think about it from my point of view. I've got three little ones. If something happens to Kate, I just want to put everything down. You and don't not care about, think about the anything. freaking world. No. Not at all. I just want to put it all down and just care for my girls because the most important thing is just getting through that time. Phil's got three young women and he's making a sequel to the movie Little Women. <laughs> That's right. My wife. Did you see that, that movie? Uh, there's, there's been a few. Oh, there's been. I saw, saw the, the most recent, recent one. one. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, fun. That. I actually yeah. thought it was fun. Yeah. Maddie Reed asks, are there major points in your life when you need to reconsider what you're covered for with each insurance. So basically, you know, if a client comes to you, Phil, you set up a suite of death, TBD, trauma cover, IP. Yep. Real world, what's happening? Yeah, so in the future, if you're looking at increasing debt, let's look at reviewing your cover. If you're changing jobs, let's look at considering reviewing your cover. Any real major life events, having kids, getting married, having a partner. Um, I always say it's good practice every two years. Let's circle back around and and see if it's appropriate. But um, major life events are are really the big ticket ones. Big pay increase. I mean, if you get a three, four grand pay increase, can you be bothered doing an insurance application and all that? Well, that's for you and your advisor to discuss, but I certainly to just be, you know, just keeping a finger on the pulse. Yeah. See, the worst thing was um, for a client and friend of mine, you know, he got a big pay rise. We had his insurance set up on 90 grand income. He bumped up to 150K and I'm like, mate, you got to come in, you got to come in, I got a review. He never did it. Mm. Went on claim, had some surgery, wasn't fully insured. Yeah. I mean, it's just- And he's only getting get paid out what he's paying for. Yeah, which is the 90K, not what he's used to living on. So, it is that. You've just got to keep on top of it. It's common sense, really. And if you've got a good relationship with your advisor, I mean, you'll be writing your clients once a year anyway. Yeah. Um, But real world, you might swing around every two or three years. Yeah. And I I mean, I always just tell my clients, just get back in touch. Send me an email. It's it's not that hard to just send a quick email saying, hey, you got a pay rise or, you know, something X, Y, and Z happened. Yeah. So, that's cool. Oh, here we go. Uh, Maddie had a follow-up questions and what are the best options for women who are going through a stage in their lives where, are they tra- where they're transitioning to maternity leave and part-time work 
options for the foreseeable future with children? Will insurance company honour their previous full-time salary or only current? We'll assume an income protection benefit. I'll make a scenario up, Phil, for you to answer. Yep. Um, you know, he's um, talking about a woman with maternity leave. So, I'll just assume there's a, a lady, she's earning 80K. Yep. Um, you know, five grand a month benefit. I think that works out to be. Yep. Ish, sure. Whatever. Um, I'd like to get a calculator and check that. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <five> <laughs> I'm like, you know, muscle memory of 75%. Yeah. yeah full-time, maybe an educator or whatever the job is. Yep. Uh, wants to step in and out of work over the next five years. Yep. What's happening with that income protection policy? Yeah, I mean, first of all, before mat leave or paternity leave, get your insurances in place because your income protection and disability, you can't get in in place after or it's, it was a very limited cover once you're on mat leave or paternity leave. So before it happens, get it all in place. Um, but then with the income protection, yeah, do they honour the um, previous income? It really depends and it's a bit of a, a nuanced question. So some insurers will honour your pre mat leave or paternity leave income um, but generally after three years they'll, they'll replace that cover uh, that income if if you've got good quality cover in place and in the last episode we talked about the differences between good quality cover and, and uh, not great quality cover um, but generally with income protection it is replacing your last 12 months if you've got a base policy mm-hmm. or you've set up your policy from 1 October 2021. Um, or it's your best 12 months of income in the last three years. Now, and I just want to swing back around. We didn't mention it last episode, but income protection, you're only protected for any accident or illness that would prevent you from working 24-7 worldwide. So, you've completely underwritten. Yep. Uh, You know, if you tell the insurance company that you're going on holiday to uh, Baghdad for three weeks – during application, they'll say you can have the policy, but you've got a territorial exclusion for Iraq or something like that yeah. because it's maybe- I mean, they may decline if you're doing that yeah, situation, or, but if you go on to Bali or something, they'll Yeah, so fine. they'll look at the DFAT website yeah. and all that stuff. But I guess what I'm saying is once you're uh, insured, anything that you can think of, generally speaking, that would prevent you from working accidental illness. So if you get fired- that's not insurable event Yep. because you're only insure for things you can't control and we want you to have an emergency fund. That's right. So, if you get laid off, you've got a three-month buffer. Yep. So, you self-insure that stuff but we insure for things that we can't fully quantify. Yep. And so, in, in this question, like when, if they're going long-term part-time, then you would just insure that long-term part-time income. You, yeah. you would just dial down the level of cover at that point in time and that's why it's important to just keep reviewing your cover. Yeah, or you make the judgment call that, hey, most of this um, spouse who is working part-time, that income is more of a, I need to leave the house and contribute to society and we put that towards holidays. So, we're going to just take the risk mm. that we don't want to ensure that. But this whole thing filled with claims and underwriting and reviewing your cover, even Phil, your clients, like if your clients called you once a year and just said, can you give me the recap 10 minutes? What am I insured for? How does it work? Yep. I think knowing is the first thing. Mm. So, you understand how the policies work. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we give our clients like a cheat sheet. Yeah. I assume everyone will forget everything I talk about because yeah, it's, it's all a bit of gobbledygook. Yeah. And, yep. um, and so, I always say to clients, go back to that cheat sheet and just kind of read what these policies actually mean and, and what they actually cover. Mm. Tammy Johnston, what's the real cost? E.g., someone earning, say, 120 a year and has IP, 
75% payable after 90 days, TPD for 280K, death for 280K. I'll assume that will be through super. Oh yeah, there we go. Through super for only $207 a year seems very affordable, but not a lot of cover and 90 day before IP is long income protection. To organize insurances through an advisor, what sort of figures would someone be out of pocket and how much should someone be insured for? Also, what are the likely costs to see an advisor to discuss insurances? Very difficult to answer this question. So, it, there are so many things that factor into insurance premiums. So, what, what someone does for work. So, if, if you're a builder um, or if you're an accountant, your premiums will be you know, three times more expensive for that builder on income protection. Yep. Um, the, some of those features that you just or that Tammy just touched on, like the 90-day waiting period. If that's too long, you can make it a 30-day waiting period and you'll pay a higher premium. If you're willing to wait six months before you start getting a paid paid a claim, then that'll reduce your, your premium. So there are so many things that factor into um, the cost of cover. Uh, and we, I get it all the time. People want to know, well, how much is it going to cost me? And and I said, my, my response is, well, the cost is the cost. We can do, we can make some changes to the premiums all the time. Yeah, I, I think it'd be important. So, Phil, you're happy to have a chat with any of one of my listeners, 15-minute chat just to explain your process. Yeah. Okay. What I would say to people is, and you've got an insurance proposal that you can put together. Yep. Um, that just gets us to a talking point. Mm. So, everything you've told us, we think this much is appropriate for your situation. Exactly. This is the cost. We think some of it to be funded by super. We think some of it out of your bank account. All right, let's chat. Yeah. We can, We can. you might want more, you might want less, but I need to get you as the advisor to the talking point. Yeah. And to Tammy's question, this is why it's so personal. These are the things that I've written down that just came to mind uh, with an advised policy of the- um, the, the influences l- of the premium. The, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, you've got your occupational work, which you talked about. Uh, sex, height and weight, age, smoker status, general health, level of cover, step versus level premium. And then within the products, you're getting plus products, you're getting minus product. So, if you live family out- Family history as family well. Family history. Uh, if you live out on a farm and you don't have any local hospitals, the plus income protection product that includes some accommodation benefit for family mm. might be a benefit. Yep. Because you're more than 100Ks from a hospital. So- I mean, there are just so many variables. Yeah. Um, and and is and that's why it's so difficult to answer that question mm. of how much does it cost? Well, we can dial the premiums up, we can dial it down. Mm. You know, there is there is a cost for insurance, of mm. course. And so I, I would say, Tammy, just reach out, sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help. Uh, say you've listened to this episode and I can introduce you to Phil uh, and you can have a chat and he can explain uh, the process. Sarah Rose says... When would you consider getting rid of them? Say life insurance, if you have no mortgage, so it's paid off, no debts, solid emergency fund and are on track with retirement funding and maybe in your 50s, would you consider getting rid of it? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, when do you cancel your policy? Um, and it's always difficult. I mean, I've got 63-year-old clients who I'm begging them to cancel their policies because it's so expensive and they just want to keep holding on to it. And we're talking like very expensive premiums and their incomes aren't that high. Um, and so, when to cancel insurance, it's always it's always super difficult mm. um, to answer that question. But w- one thing just to note, it's not a keep or cancel sometimes. Yeah. It's a let's just slowly dial down the amount of cover. If you've got a million dollars, 
well, you don't need to go from a million to nothing. You can go to a million to 800,000. Mm. We can go to, you know, 500,000 to 400. Mm. So you can start dialing down the amount of mm. life insurance cover as your, as your need for cover reduces over time. Yeah. I, and I, I think like, so for me, you know, if your mortgage is paid off and you've got no dependents, okay, you, I still think there is, uh, if you are working, so you're working because you need to generate money to pay for food and your lifestyle. So there's definitely a need for income protection. Like, yeah, yep. Because so you're going to be alive. You're going to be alive and yep. working. So I think that's fine. I mean, and the, like, so my parents, they're in, they're in their 60s. I think mum and dad still have death policy of like 180 grand on them each. Yeah. And I keep saying to like, you know, this is just Glenn, their son, who's an ex-advisor. I'm like, you guys actually don't need the cover. Yeah. You got all the super in the world. If one of you died- yeah, you covered. So, so there's, there's there's no need there. Hmm. Um, and then mum's like, well, it's been a waste of money. I'm like, well, your bloody car insurance has been a waste of money too if you never claimed. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing I always <laughs> say to people. Insurance, the best case scenario is you throw a whole bunch of money down a pit and you never use it. Yeah. Um, because you've never needed to use it. Yeah. So I, I think that thing, Sarah, is that um, regular chats with your advisor. Um, you know, if you've got trauma insurance on a level premium that – it's not increasing year on year because of your age. Don't touch it. <laughs> you might just leave it. You might turn CPI off on the policy. So, you know, if you've got a $150,000 policy, next year it won't increase to $160,000. It'll just stay at the same price. Yep. Um, so, again, case by case. Uh, Sam Burnett, and this is an interesting one, a bit broader than just um, life insurance, TPD and trauma, et cetera. We're spending twelve grand a year, including a portion out of super on all insurances. So family of three, including private health, two cars insured, home contents, life insurance, income protection, TPD and trauma. It just seems so expensive to have all of them. And are they all necessary? Are these luxuries or are they better ways we can insure ourselves? And I just want to jump in there and and just acknowledge that, you know, that question someone might be like, that's $1,000 a month, you privileged people and how can you talk about this? It's You're supposed to be a relatable millennial podcast. We've done surveys. We know there are legitimate listeners of the show who earn 400 grand a year, 800 grand a year. We also know that there are legitimate listeners of the show who are on a disability pension, who are earning 30 grand a year, who are on 20 grand. So just because a question doesn't exactly suit your stage of life or your frame, does not mean that question isn't relevant to the people and that we can learn from. So, for all we know, Sam and his um, spouse, they could have two incomes of 150 grand each and we don't know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but even even still, a young family of three with private health, two cars, home and contents, life, TBD, trauma, income protection, 12 grand. Yeah, it's a grand a month and it's a freaking heart attack. Yeah, but, it, but it's also like with all that cover, you know, that's probably not crazy unreasonable in terms mm. of the premiums for all mm. of that cover. So, I guess the real question here is like- Why are you adding it up? It's, yeah, just- <laughs> Don't just, add it up. Just pay the bill and ignore it. That's what I do. No, um, that's, that's not what you, no. you learn in the uh, Glenn James spending, spending plan. No. Um, so, I mean, are they necessary? Are they a luxury? I mean, as a financial advisor, my, my belief is income insurance and life insurance for especially family- 
with young kids is very important. Like I just think about the downside of me having a car crash um, is that it cost me 20, 30 grand to cover. The downside of me never being able to earn an income again is we're selling our house and we're living with my, me and my three kids back at my parents or my in-laws. Um, and I've done that before and I'm, um, I love Ros and Dez, but I don't want to do it again. Is your father-in-law Dez? Yeah, Dez. My dad's Dez. Yeah, Dezies can Desmond. meet up together. Um, but I think it's interesting, like, and I'll probably say this because I'm not a licensed advisor. I'm just a podcast guy and this is general advice only. You heard the disclaimer at the front of the episode. You get the odd client who might be in their 40s who are a manual occupation, like bricklayer, 40s, yep. smoker, like all these insurance red flags, like it's just there, right? Yep. And it just adds up. So for me, when I was talking with young families who had debt, dependents, but really expensive insurance, yep. I was always like, mate, number one priority, your death cover. Because if you're not around, you've got no chance of fighting for your family and providing for them. Mm. Number two, if we're going to triage the cover, got to be income protection. Yeah. Three and four, your TPD and trauma can be on price. Yep. Because that gets to the luxury point of the- I actually feel, I think trauma insurance, as much as I've claimed it on myself, I'm an advocate for it. At the end of the day, it's a luxury. Not everyone can afford it. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen claims paid. I'll be hanging on mine for dear life. Um, but that's kind of just, you know, it, it, it's that, just more of a triage thing if okay. it's getting to this tipping I'll point. Pose, I'll pose the other question to you. Yeah. So out of the private health, yeah. car, home and contents, what would you prioritize, yeah. them or the personal insurances? Yeah, like so home I, insurance you've got to have. Yeah, so with like they've got, we'll assume they've got an emergency fund. I mean, I'd be pushing to the car insurances up to $1,000 excess, yep. seeing what they look at. Uh, health insurance, I'd be upping the excess to a grand. Health insurance, I'd be pissing off dental, optical. Because I personally- No extras? I, I don't have private health insurance for the extras. I've got it. So, if I need to go to freaking hospital and have a ninth ankle surgery, I'm choosing the doctor I want, the hospital I want on the day I want. Yeah, interesting. I go the other way. I've got it for the extras and not the hospital. Yeah, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's worth it for the extras. They're always going to win. Well, maybe it depends yeah. on how often you go. Yeah, but like I mean, well, I've, I've, so I'm extras, considering cancelling my extras. Yeah, because, and and the, because of that. you know, I've I'm with Bupa, and I have been for a million years, and I can't heaps bother changing because they pay claims. I've loosely looked at other prices, and it's, it's all pretty much the same. Yeah, but I know in the detail, and this is what pisses me off about Bupa. So if they've got 150 dollars a year extra thing for dental, and I go because I get my teeth cleaned twice a year. Yeah. It will just be like, oh, it's $25. I'm being dramatic. I'm making something up. It's $25 per visit. It's yeah. not your first $80 of the 150 Okay. Where I know like other health funds yeah. will go, yeah, you've got $150 and it's just first of the post. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we've so, got a pool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, that's kind of, I do need to look at it, but I, I don't love changing insurance companies because I know with claims and insurance companies, time is your friend. Yeah. Because if there's a curly claim- you get some supervisor to make the call. Glenn's been a long-term client. I know in insurance back offices, they will more times than not look after a long-term policyholder. Yeah. And 
And again, but just to address this question, yeah. it's not a matter of cancelling the two insurance it's policies. It's a tweak, yeah. It's a, let's, let's dial it down. And I think that's kind of to Sarah's question before, mortgage is paid off and all that. Well, okay, let's look at our income protection. Yeah. We've got an emergency fund. Can we, you know, if the emergency fund says we need 30 grand for an emergency fund, hey, let's take that bitch up to 40 grand and then let's go 90 day on income protection. Let's go $1,000 on excess and let's start to self-insure to try and save some of this premium. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you could go even further. I mean, you might go, uh, I'll just make a scenario up, TPD cover. Uh, we might just want to cover the mortgage and a bit of tax. Some advisors will gross up the TPD to do income replacement, but it's just a judgment call, isn't yeah. it? Yep. But I think exactly. what you've said is perfect. It's that it's not all or nothing. Yeah. And your advisor will be able to give you options because, and this is the thing, like I was saying before that, you know, it, chill out if they're spending 12 grand a year, you know, someone can still earn 300 grand and emotionally $12,000 a year is a lot of money. Yeah. Like, cause it's still a lot of money. Mm. So... Well, I'm thinking about my situation. I'm sure we're paying twelve grand a year on a wire cover, like well, for for all yeah. of those policies. Yeah, where's let's let's just get our little cat. Let's do off the top of our head because I'm going to do mine now because someone's actually asked me this before. What am I paying? Yeah, for so, all your cover. Yeah, so I think I'm paying. I'm just going to do that twelve hundred plus. I mean, yeah, what is mine? Twenty two hundred. <laughs> I think all my insurances. Uh, death, TPD, trauma, income protection. Yeah. With MLC, um, it's all paid yearly. Yeah. I think it's seven grand a year. Okay. Um, Mine, mine's about four and a half, I think. Yeah, and then my Bupa and Kate's is about two and a half. So ours is probably as a household seven. My Bupa, I'm just going to say two grand because I think it's like 150 dollars a month or something. Yeah, uh, one hundred and ten with M- yeah, NIB yeah. extras. Yeah, mine's 154. But then this is it. Like, I, I'm telling people to lower you. This is, and this is, oh, I've been thinking every time I do a podcast, my health insurance excess is $250. Yeah. I need to increase yeah, that. Increase that. Yeah. I just haven't got around to it. Yeah. Um, so I'm at nine grand already without the cars, the two cars and the boat. <laughs> How much is that boat? The boat's like 600 bucks a year. Okay. Not for bad. For a 20 or 30 grand boat. So, I mean- Without even yeah, you're getting you're getting I'm up getting to, to 12k yeah. So yeah. it's not hard, but if I pick up the phone and do a bit of tweaking, yeah. Like our one of my rental properties because it's a Strata property, we've just renewed the Strata insurance, and I talked to the other landlord there who lives in it, yeah, her one, and she said, oh, do you want to just take this insurance up to excess to a thousand dollars? I'm like, yeah, no worries. Yeah. So instead of seven hundred fifty dollars a year. It came down to 500. Yeah. So, and I mean, if I put a bit of effort into it, I could get, I could probably shave some money off that. And it, I mean, it's, that's why it's important to make sure you got the yeah. the emergency fund. Totally. Because like there's nothing worse than having that excess and going, okay, mm. hey, where are we getting this $1,000 from if you don't have it? So, yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I mean. Like I probably am due to actually sit down and call them up and review, but it's just- Put it, put it on your list of things to do. Yeah. Glenn? Yeah. Keep everyone so, everyone listening, keep him accountable. Keep me accountable. I've got to change my But this is the weird thing. I've got to get some surgery, I think, on my wrists. Yeah. Possibly in the next couple of months. Well, so don't don't change so it. I won't change it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
And uh, while we're on health insurance, my excess with Bupa is per calendar year. So I always try and get surgery at the start of the year. So if I've got to go to hospital at the end of the year and it's not planned, I don't have to pay an excess again. Got it. Speaking of excesses, Phil, income protection, yep. no excess. And if you claim it doesn't impact your premium. That's right. Do you want to just elaborate on I think that? there's a question about okay. this. Well, I've actually done the research, so okay. I'm pretty sure there's a question right. about this. Here you go. <laughs> uh, uh, Georgia Bronte says, and I love this question, does someone in their 20s with no dependents, very small mortgage, and no other debts really need death cover, life insurance, or would you just get the amount to pay off your mortgage so whoever you leave your assets to is debt-free? So, a couple of things there. You, you can't inherit someone's debt. So, if... Um, if someone was to die and their debts outweighed the assets of the estate, the beneficiaries don't inherit anyone's debt. Simple as that. However, the, the estate has to settle the debt. So, if Georgina had a $300,000 mortgage and a $500,000 home and she was to die, the estate would have to clear that mortgage. Yep. And then there'll be the excess left to the estate. Yeah, they're going to sell the house. Yep. Pay off the loan. But in terms of, okay, so let's, Nathan edits this podcast. So we were talking about him last episode. He's in his early 20s. And Nath, if you don't want this to go up, cut this bit out. He's in his early 20s. Phil, you've just done his insurances. Yep. He's got no dependents, no debt. Yep. No spouse. Yep. He's got a great boss. Questionable. Questionable. I mean, I did ask him about his goals and objectives and he says he can't wait to get out, but. Yeah. So, let's just go, let's talk about Nate's situation. We don't need to. Yeah. We we won't talk about the actual numbers. Well, you probably could and if he he can, he can mute it out. Oh, Nate, just, just can't, just Get rid of this if you want, but- Well, just keep it in, Nate, but mute out the actual numbers. Don't do the income numbers, but the lump sum maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, Nate's on $200,000 a year. <laughs> Is there any jobs going? I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, the question about life insurance as young single. So, um, there's a few few nuances there. Actually, sometimes if your disability is quite high, you need disability cover because if you can never work again- mm. Um, my view is you want to pay off the debt and you want to replace the difference between your income protection, which is only 75% of your income, and your current income because that's that's where your lifestyle's up to. So let's say your income, your disability benefit gets to about $500,000 or, or a million dollars. Quite often, when you go to the insurance company and you package it all together, increasing your life insurance to a million dollars to match your disabilities will often actually be cheaper or very cost effective. Yeah, because the death covers the base benefit. Exactly. So, I've said this before. So, I've got $2 million of total and permanent disability cover. I don't need death cover. I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse. Don't need death cover. Yep. But it was, I've taken the view that I'd rather lock in some death cover, tie it up and package it. Yep. And it's, um, it's just there in place. And if I, you know- have a child come out the woodwork or get married or partner down in the next 10 minutes or whatever, the cover's already there. Exactly. And I mean, we we do a lot of quote comparisons and it's like almost always either cheaper or very, yeah. very affordable. And, and one of the reasons is with death cover in Australia, you don't pay stamp duty on that. Mm. So, you could save 
So if you had a $500,000 TPD or total and permanent disability policy, it might be more expensive than a death slash TPD because the policy isn't carrying yeah. that uh, stamp duty and you get internal discounting. That's right. And so with NAIF, what mm. we did, we recommended TPD and we also recommended the same amount of life insurance. Even though I agree, I don't think he needs it. No. He's got no dependents, no debt, um, but we recommended it because it was just very cost effective to increase mm. the life insurance amount. Yeah. And now Nath actually come back and said, you know what, Phil, let's increase it even more. Let's just future-proof this cover. I'm young, healthy, setting it up while mm. I'm young. Let's actually increase these covers. Yeah. Um, and so he's come back and increased it even more than what, what I recommended mm. just so he can lock it in and, and not have to worry about it and, and future-proof that cover for the yeah. long term. And I mean, and that's a judgment call. I mean, you know, if you don't have a mortgage – so my view was when I had, you know, younger clients that didn't have a mortgage or dependents, if they could not ever work ever again, I would like them with their TPD lump sum to buy a house in their area with insurance proceeds. So they own their house yeah. and then they've got their income protection to put food on their table. And it's linked with death cover. Yeah. I mean, if the TPD claim was paid out, the death cover goes anyway. But technically, well, there's probably not a huge need. And it's that thing, Phil, like it's the balance between not insuring every bloody thing for the maximum amount and spending all your money versus taking on some risk because life's full of risks. Yeah. I don't think you need to pay for redundancy insurance because it's rubbish. You just mm. take on that risk, have an emergency fund. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, to, but to answer George's question, mm. we both um, theoretically agree you don't need life insurance, but often it's- It's throwing. It's, yeah, yep. just chuck it in there. Yeah. So, yeah, Georgia, reach out, uh, sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and, um, you know, you're in your 20s. It's not going to be that expensive. I mean, I gosh, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, but Nathan would be getting change out of two grand a year-ish. Yeah, that's all on level premiums. Yeah. Every time I, I work with younger people, I'm just so jealous how cheap the premiums yeah, are. Yeah, so the thing is, like, so if we take Nath further and hopefully, Nath, you haven't deleted this um, <laughs> and you're okay with us talking about you, you know, if you know, he's dating a young lady and, you know, it's all cute and, you know, if they're like, oh, this is a thing um, and then in two years' time they want to buy a house, well, Nath's already got insurance for the mortgage. Yeah. So then if they were to get married and life happens and you don't come up for air and review your income protection because we fell in love more than they could because they're cute like that, they bought the house. Well, at least if something happened and they were married, well, the house can, the debt can be cleared. Yeah. So it's just that review thing. And for Nath, as his income goes up um, and it will, hopefully, hopefully under my reign, um, <laughs> it would just be- you ask for a pay rise. Nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll just review the income protection- Yeah, exactly. At the time. And let's just on that, Phil, someone has an income protection policy. Yep. Income increases significantly. Yep. Uh, we want to add to that policy. Underwriting, how does that work just once more? Yeah, so you've got to go through underwriting again. Um, because you're adding you wanna, risk to yeah, the insurer. Exactly. It's like- yeah, well, if anyone's gotten a loan, getting a loan's hard and going back to the lender and saying, actually, let's reduce this loan 
is quite easy. Mm. So you got a fifteen thousand dollar credit card. You want to bring the limit down to ten grand. Mm. Super easy. Yeah. You want to go from ten to fifteen grand. You'll go through another application. Yeah. Similar with income protection and, and increasing the risk. Yeah. So it's just a review thing. Amy Claire. Hello, Amy. I think you're a regular in the group. Seen your name before. Um, how do you know what to get? Does it vary for self-employed? Is it worth it if you have a lot of cash and minimal assets, no kids, et cetera? So I think we've kind of answered the, um, you know, customizing to your situation, but let's talk about self-employed. Realistically, Phil, it, it, it might be interesting to talk about. So the death cover and the trauma cover, yep. they're not linked to occupation. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. they're not a disability thing. So you so a student or somebody who does not work can get death okay. and trauma cover. Yep. No question because it's not linked to um and for those two policies assuming they don't cover assuming they're healthy and they don't have currently yep. have cancer and yep. you know. So the TPD cover basically covers the mind and the spine. Yep. And so does income protection. Yep. Uh, Your ability to work. Yeah, that's right. So, um, but a full-time homemaker or stay-at-home parent can still get TBD cover based on home duties. Yeah, limited, limited cover um, and limited ability to claim. It's much, it's not great. Well, but but then there are insurance PDSs that says that you can't do home duties. And we understand that. So, like the, the one path- um, has one pass or MLC. It's basically in any occupation policy, but if you're a homemaker, it's just flicks over to the definition that you can't do um, the normal home duties or whatever. That's right. But yeah, so it's basically, it's a TPD policy, but yeah. it's judged on home duties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think we're saying the same thing. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's limited and it is available. So, so, so coming back to Amy's question about being self-employed, the, the actual policies are the same. Exactly. Yeah. Life, TBD, trauma, income protection, they're all the same policies. It's just w- the insurer's risk appetite and how they'll claim like self-employed, lots of self-employed people think that they earn a hundred grand and their tax return says 20 grand. Yeah. You can only insure that 20 grand, which is your actual income. You can, you can, you're rolling your eyes because you can add back Thank depreciation. You. <laughs> you can, you know, there's all these things yeah, that so the, you can factor in. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not it's not your turnover that that the insurer cares about. It's what your actual income is. Yeah, that's right. So there are addbacks and whatnot, uh, and that's why, you know, if you've just started a small business, and you know, if you were in, uh, I'll just make something up. If you were a nurse or a marketing executive. And you're like, oh, I'm now starting a small business. Um, gardening. Gardening. They might be like, well, we need a bit of a track record. Yeah. But if you're like, I want to start my small business as a marketing consultant or a whatever, same industry, you probably got to. And that comes back to getting an advisor who can build the case with an insurance company who will have an appetite. That's right. Um, and there may be some extra clauses, newly self-employed clauses and things yeah, like that. Which means you basically just have to prove what you've earned prior to the claim. Yeah. So, yeah. Lots. But the policies are the same. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. and arguably more important for self-employed. Totally. Uh, another one from Georgia Bronte and then Amy Claire. Jeez, when you copy and pasted these, Phil, they're all over the place. 
Um, I think I did in order of when the comments were. No, oh, okay. maybe they well, maybe they they're just gone. They've forgotten and wanted to write. But Georgia Bronte said, "What are some instances that you can access your income insurance that people not not know about um, without, without scrolling, scrolling through?" Yes. Yeah, a hundred pages. Well, I I would say, Phil, you know, if you're one of your clients, Phil, and I don't think, I think we said it last episode, I want to train my clients any medical event or anything that's weird that might've happened, whether you had a a mole removed or a broke mangle, flick an email to your advisor. Yeah. Because they will know. Yeah. Like straight up. But- there could be some other benefits like, you know, income protection, some of the plus plus policies. Um, I had a client and this is the kind of the specified injury benefit. Like, you know, they've got a list and- Yep. If you break your arm, you'll get two months worth of yeah, so, payments. And this is the whole thing we talked about last episode uh, with the underwriting. Insurance companies can't quantify the mind. So, they just will likely- or on the side of caution and exclude mental health. But they've got the data to say, if you break your shoulder, you realistically back within eight months or five months or whatever that is. Yep. So I had a client, she broke her um, elbow overseas in South Korea. She called me up. We had a two month benefit skipping the waiting period into a bank within the you know three weeks, like yep. super fast. So Again, it just it goes back to your policy and having that good relationship with your advisor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if in doubt, ask. Um, and it's also that's why it's important to have good quality policies. Yeah, I mean, some of the, the extra benefits on different policies. You know, I always, you know, one insurance company that I used, I always used to write a hundred thousand dollars of trauma as a minimum for people. Yeah. Because once they had a child over two years old, each child instantly got $10,000 worth of child cover. Yeah. And we didn't touch child cover last episode, but you can actually insure your children. Uh, it's like a mini trauma policy um, up to $200,000 per child. And it's the worst thing in the world to talk about. Yeah. But if a child was, uh, was to be killed or deceased or leukemia, cancer, anything horrendous- Yeah. Benefit is there for the family to take time off the workforce to care for the child. Yeah, that's right. And actually, coming back to this question, there are some income protection policies that will pay out if if something does happen to your kids. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're a little bit nuanced and yeah. you've got to really know your policy. So, but again, I think it just comes back to keeping a good relationship with your advisor. Yeah. Something if happens, doubt, send ask. an email. Yeah. Flick totally. a text. Uh, because often, you know, when I was an advisor- I would write back categorical, nut, continue, I'll make a note of it. Yeah. Or I'll look in the PDS because I know the product that they were with and I'll say, you need to come in, you know, there's a benefit here. Yeah. Um, and, or I'll organize it for you. And as an advisor, I don't expect clients to read the PDS. No. I make a joke that it's 100 pages long. If you if you struggle going to sleep at night, have a read, but I don't expect you to read it back to front. I'll no. know it better than you ever yeah. will. But, you know- they will sign off that they've uh, received the PDS. <laughs> well, exactly. When they all do. Uh, Amy has another question. Amy Claire, what impacts on insurance? E.g., I always get asked um, if kids accessing a psychologist without a mental health diagnosis will impact on their insurance in the future. Does it? Okay. I'm just racking my brain, Phil. Going back to mental health and the insurance company not quantifying the mind. Yeah. 
And when we're having dinner, I said to Phil, look, I think I'm a bit out of touch with underwriting, but I'll just go with me. If someone came to me and said, I need some insurance, Glenn, and the question is, have you ever sought treatment? It's a spectrum. Yep. And it could be, I went to counseling in high school or primary school because I was getting bullied. Yep. Uh, no ongoing issues. It's not a problem. We disclose it. Insurance company are comfortable. That's fine. Um, if there was some deeper issues, maybe some more, I don't know. And please, everyone, please give me grace when I try and explain this, but like an anorexia or bulimia or yep. something significant that was kind of five years ago because realistically time and insurance companies, it's this wonderful thing. It's like the longer you're with an insurance company, it might be better for claims, but the longer that you've been without a medical condition or recovered from yeah. it, the better as well. So I think it just depends. Yeah, very very dependent and and dependent on the insurer as well. Some some insurers have an appetite and, and to be honest, your relationship with the individual underwriter yeah. you have they will sometimes have a, a higher appetite to take on that I've risk. I've sent some bunch of flowers to some underwriters um, in my oh, time, Philip. I mean, that, I is, know the good old days. that is the most important person in an insurance company that we have a relationship is the underwriter. Yeah. Um, and so, like having a, you know, psychologist appointment, it depends on the time frame. If we're talking about seven years ago mm. and it was um, once off, then that shouldn't impact your, your insurance application. But even later in life, like, um, you know, if you've been to counselling with your spouse, yep. disclose that it's probably okay because it's not an underlying. You're looking at me, but it's insurer specific. But no, no, that that stuff's fine. Like I yeah. mean, we, we've got um, clients who um, have split up with partners, and mm. because their last treatment from a counsellor was pretty recent, mm. they got a mental health exclusion. Yeah, because the insurers don't know if that risk is going to increase mm. to a claim or not. And then if we're talking about three years ago, they split up with their partner and had counselling, then the insurers will say, or well, if there's no ongoing treatment or symptoms since that last counselling session, we're happy to accept that risk and, and therefore there's no exclusion on the policy. Yeah. So, and, and that's it. Like I'm sure in your practice and when I had my practice, I'd make a note of exclusion. So when we review clients, mm. we can say, hey, there was an exclusion for your left knee. You had a bit of trouble with it. How is that? And then we apply to get the exclusion removed. Yeah. A, a, a big part of our job is when we do get exclusion, we always ask the underwriter, okay, what's the time frame of this yeah. being reviewable? And they'll give us an indication. There's a mental health exclusion, but reviewable probably in 12 months if there's no yeah. issues or symptoms. And and that's it. Like you know, if an adolescent, um, you know, tried to take their own life at 16 and that was disclosed, yeah, well, the insurance company might say, look, we're going to need to do it a space. Yeah. You know, it might be 10 years, but yeah. everything's so circumstantial, everything is so unique. It comes down to insurance philosophy of underwriting, comes down to their appetite. And sometimes, Phil, it comes down to the underwriter who's willing to sign off on something. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why like you need to go a lot of the times like the amount of cases I've got over the line where people had come to me and I went down to the bank advisor and not every bank advisor is bad, but they might've only been in there for a couple of years where I've got some really good relationships for yeah. over eight years with underwriters. I will know if Craig could get it over the line. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, even my situation, I used yeah. to be a generalist advisor yep. and I used to think, well, I'll get the same outcome as everyone else. All these insurance mm. specialists thinking that they're the bee's knees mm. and going to get better outcomes. Now, fast forward, I'm 
specialize in insurance yeah, and we write nice a lot of knees, business. Mr. Bees. Yeah. We write a lot of business and it's just um, economics. Yeah. If they're going to, you know, if something's on the fence, then they're more likely to allow it if we've written huge numbers of clients, mm. you know. And you would know that this insurance company, you know, I know I can take BMIs that are bigger than usual mm. without a loading. Yeah. And I know that insurance company, they'll take a manual occupation yeah, and also, I mean, insurers will give us priority as well. Like yeah. in this, we've got, you know, because we do quite a bit of business, there's mm. an insurer who will waive up to 50% loadings for yeah, our clients. Right. Yeah. They can't pay me any extra benefit. That's not allowed yeah. anymore. So, yeah. they give me the benefit in my clients getting better outcomes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a Grotus Infuser, uh, new member to the group, there's a little new wave there. Uh, mine is probably too technical for the podcast, but ask an expert. Yeah, well, let's do it, Phil. Let's give it a go. Are there any easily accessible resources out there about pre-existing condi- conditions? If something happens that theoretically could be caused by a condition you have, but in your case, with a very high degree of certainty, are you able to provide evidence that from your treating doctors that this shows that in issues are unrelated. There's a I mean, follow on. There's a follow the, on yeah, there's, this is huge and it probably is too technical for the podcast. Um, so, Agroitus, if that's how you pronounce your name, has uh, cerebral palsy, non-degenerative congenial disability caused initially by brain injury. I mean, there's a lot there. Um, they're on disability support pension. So, effectively unemployed uh, due to disability. So, Generally speaking, Phil, and I don't know where I'm going with this because it's almost 10 p.m. and, geez, we've been going for almost an hour. There's not a magical Google, you know, what- no. You know, there's each insurance- Okay, let's break this down. Each insurance company in Australia is backed by a reinsurance company. Yep. So, there's big international companies that insure insurance companies in Australia. Uh, most insurance companies might use two or three reinsurers- and they'll have treaties in the background. So, it trickles down to risk appetite and what an insurance company in-house will take. Yep. And then if you want to insure for a higher level, it might have to get signed off by a reinsurer. So, for example, uh, there could be an insurance company that they will just approve up to $2 million death cover in-house. Yep. Um or anything over that, we have to send it to the reinsurance company to manually approve. And the same can be with complex medical conditions. That's right. We can sign off on stuff in-house, but a case like this, you'd have to shop it to different insurers so they can send it to different reinsurers. Yeah. We've got to go back to, you know, the need. If you're on disability support pension, uh, at the moment, it means- um, they're allowed to work up to 29 hours a week, which is kind of the sweet spot for income anyway. Um, so, this is complex, but I would imagine that it's probably a decline. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's really difficult to address this specific situation, but um, I mean, get in touch with me. I mean, I'm, I mean, happy, yeah. to, I'm happy to have a chat and talk about it um, because- with these things, we can always get a pre-assessment 
um, from the insurance company, mm. um, but you can only really get a, a proper outcome when you submit an application mm. with them, and that's when they will determine. Okay, you know, do we need? Can the underwriter sign mm. off on it? If not, do we need to go to our chief medical officer for them to sign off? Mm. If not, do we need to go to the reinsurer's chief medical mm. officer to sign off on these yeah. things? Because I, I think you know cerebral palsy. I I don't know too much about it. I've got a family friend that's um has the condition. Uh, I think he lives with a spouse and he's high functioning. Yep. Um, I think in his situation, I mean- It, it was I, difficult. So, we've, we've actually had a client yeah, with right. it um, and it was very mild cerebral palsy. Yeah. And the initial pre-assessments was decline, decline, decline. What about trauma cover with a brain injury exclusion or something? I'm pretty sure trauma. It's, I think the only cover would be life. Yeah, um, with a loading. Maybe, yeah, maybe a loading yeah. on that. Um, but then- but then when we submitted the application, provided all the medical evidence, um, the insurer was willing to accept that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very mild. Yeah. So, anyway, reach out to Phil and he'll um, he'll be able to get some details. Carolyn Heike or Heike, sorry, Carolyn, which insurances do you actually need and at what age should you look into them? Also, how to d- determine the claim amount. Again, that's just the 101 with an advisor. Yeah. You know, chat with Phil, go through his... Um, process, proposal document process. Um, and the first thing you'll probably ask someone, Phil, is like, what do you want to achieve? Yeah. Like, what's your situation? And Carolyn might go, well, just got a mortgage or we want to start a family or I want to just have a dog and rent and, you know, and then we might go, okay, well, how much have you got in super? Okay, well, you got a hundred grand in super. So, yeah. you know, if we if the analysis says you need 600 grand, well, we can self-insure the 100 grand in super if yep. you were to die and only end up with 500,000. So, it's just a conversation and it's it's practical. There's a bit of art, there's a bit of science. That's and- right. I mean, to, yeah, just to get into the nitty gritty, mm. I mean, to be quite blunt, we put it through a calculator and then we start the conversation from there and yep. we go, this is how much we think. These are all the reasons why we think it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you pay the premiums and I yep. don't. So, how do we get to the magic number you want? That's right. Without spending all our money on our insurance yep. and without taking all on the risk ourselves. And um, yeah, so Phil will issue a, a statement of advice, which is the legal document that details everything. Uh, he would consider your existing levels of cover and all that stuff. Um, Sarah Graham. Hey, Sarah. Um Sarah was actually a client of mine and I went to school with her husband, Davey. So, hello. I might, I'll might i send you a message, Sarah. But uh, her question was, uh, my husband's trauma insurance just increased $20 per month from 69 to 90. He just turned 37. Is it worth it? Um, so, across the board in Australia over the last few years, Australia had actually, it's been a bit of a cock up with the reinsurers and the insurance companies in Australia. Yep. There's been a lot of mispricing and every single insurance company have increased their prices um, at some point. Do you want a fun fact? I've actually got it up on my screen. Oh, go, go, baby. In the 12 months to December 2020, insurance companies in Australia lost half a billion dollars. Mm. The 12 months prior to that, 2019, yeah. they lost $1.3 billion. Yeah. So, APRA are onto this because what actually it's happened- It's almost $2 was, billion dollars yeah. in two years. So, what actually happened was, you know, in insurance land, it was this ratings war and they were all trying to do the best products and the products were too good. That was the long and the short of it. Yep. They just weren't priced correctly. Yep. Too many claims, easy to pay and- they've It's had, great. 
guess what? You're a, you're a you're a policyholder of an insurance company that's unprofitable. Yeah. Except when they need to then start making a profit, the yeah. only way they can do that is through mm. premiums. And I know this policy that if it's the one that I uh, wrote, it would be on a level premium. So what I'll do, Sarah, I'll send you a message and I'll introduce you to the team who are looking after that now. And it's just going to be a, a triage thing. Like, all right, let's just take stock. I, I don't, I would never suggest Davey cancels the policy. Um, but I, mean, I, I think it's a budget play. It's like, yeah. you know, trauma, it can be seen as a luxury, but it's not going to increase year on year because of his age. Yeah. It's had a sudden increase now because every reinsurance company that's dealing with Australia have increased their rates. Yep. So, and 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 as we said before, it's not a keep it or cancel it. It's a keep it as is, reduce it or cancel it. Yeah. And and there's plenty of things you can go from ninety dollars all the way to one dollar before you cancel it. And following off that, Timothy Fenton. Actually, that's so funny, Sarah. Tell David it's funny. I last time I saw Davy, I said, "I've got some old fishing rods. Come around and grab them at my house." And I, when I gave them to him a couple of years ago, I'm like, here you go. I usually buy these and then not use them for five years and then need one. What did I buy the other day, Phil, for the boat? Fishing rod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Davey, give us a fishing yeah, rod back. Bloody fishing rod. Uh, Timothy Fenton says, when is it better to choose level over stepped premiums for income protection insurance? Do you save over the long run if you hold for 10 years plus? I mean, this is the, the great debate my view is if you're setting it up before you're 30, level premiums is a good option. Mm. If you cannot afford a level premium policy, then step premium is your next best step. It's the only step. Well, yeah. So if, if, if it's either I'm going to set up a level premium policy or nothing at all, well, as we've said a number of times, there are plenty of options between taking it the best mm. and, and having nothing, there's plenty of options. Mm. So my view is I've got my all of my cover on level. I'm getting a price increase with my insurer, mm. um, even though I set it up you know, seven years ago on level premiums. But I think um, there's a lot of miscommunication and it may have been sold incorrectly. So level premium- I sold it to myself. Yeah, that's so, right. So. But no, no, no. But like in the broader community- Got it. I never co- told a client that it never goes up. It only go. It doesn't go up year by year because of your age. Exactly. I actively tell clients this is an unprofitable product we're mm. purchasing today, mm. so it will likely go up because they're all losing money on this. Yep. Uh, all my insurance is on level premium. Um, I've taken the view that I've got a, and all mine's with MLC Life Insurance. You know, they've paid claims. It's all fully underwritten. Uh, it's a standalone insurance company. It's, you know, I've got confidence they'll be there for another 120 years. So, yep. I, I am holding and I'll just manage. Um, and then, so for example, the covers automatically increase each year with CPI. So, I can, and I probably bloody need to do this, Phil, but again, I'll get around to it. I could pretty much call MLC and say, just take my death cover and TBD cover, turn off CPI. Yep. And it just stays at $2 million yep. each year. The premium stays the same. Now, next year, I will get an increase on the premium rate, but it's not increasing because my age is going up. It's yep. because of the base rate premium. So, in my practice, Phil, I did anyone under 40 would get level premium recommendation. Yep. Show them the difference and they can choose. Exactly. 
and and um, that's my view as well. We're we're starting to dial down a little mm. bit younger. I mean, but sure, if you're a manual occupation over forty, it's it's no, you you very rarely win out. But under thirty, and again, it all comes down to affordability. Yeah, you got to be able to afford the premiums today. Yeah, um, but. My view is if you're setting it up young while you're healthy, you want level. Yeah. Um, Nicole Louise asks uh, whether an advisor can put through a TPD claim for you at the cost or is it generally better to get a lawyer to do it? This is interesting. This one, I had a referral from, it was a client's partner had a policy with, um, I think it was OnePath, TPD policy. It was a back claim and he had applied and it was the client. Yeah. And I said, oh, because he did it himself. And I said- oh, Sorry, apply for the claim. Yeah, yeah. And he got to climb the claim, yeah. yeah. Something like that. And I said, give us a look at it. And he goes, yeah, we went to the lawyer and they were the no win, no fee. Yeah. And if we win, we win. Yeah. <laughs> we take 40%. Yeah. So, yeah. So- I, I said to him, I'm like, just joking. I'm like, oh, dude, I'll do it for you. No win, no fee. If we get it, I'll just take, you know, 10%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was 400 grand. I'm just, I just had to, because you don't know how long, because he wasn't a client. Yeah, that's right. I was just like, look, worst case scenario, we'll cover our time. Anyway, with the claim part of it, it was as simple as, okay, mate, take this to your doctor. Yeah. I want your doctor to fill it out first. I want you to then fill out your claim form after the doctor because we just don't want any mismatch of information and be truthful and all that. Yeah. But we have to package this up so it's all the information's there. It's methodical and and the claim ended up getting paid and we did spend a fair bit of time on it and I just said, "Look, I don't want 40 grand from him, mate." But yeah. It's just 5 grand once off fee and he was over the moon. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's just- There are, I mean, there there are other options as well. I'm not a big fan of lawyers, as, as you kind of pointed out mm. um, with your experience and they, and they can often with TBD claims take a really big portion of that claim. Well, I mean, claim. he could have almost lost half of that to that yeah. lawyer when I'll just lay a five grand basically. Yeah. Um, but there are, I have a chat to a financial advisor and then there are also claims- well, specialist that, service guy, yeah. yeah so there, re- are, there like, are people that we yeah. know in yeah. our networks who specialize in helping clients get claims. Yeah. So Nicole, reach out to me, and I can connect you to um, a guy, Hannah Warhurst. Yeah, this is a good one. How to get income protection insurance outside super that will give you the best protection? Sweetmoneyout.com. Get help. Yeah. Uh, Let that- me put you in touch with an amazing advisor. Yeah, so I mean, it's just a matter of getting a, a quality retail income protection policy. Yeah, um, we'll have a look at your, we as in you know the advisors have a look at your income. We'll assess the waiting period whether you know you do have fifty grand that's in cash at all times. So you might take the risk on a ninety day waiting period. Uh, we might look at actually, do you know my policy, Phil? My income protection policy, half of it is on a 30-day wait yeah. and half of it is on a 90-day wait. So, I've kind of hedged on both ways. my waiting period. I, I mean, split the waiting period. Mine's on 30 days and, and I've got the money in the emergency fund anyway because for me, the cost benefit of mm. 
Like it, it was going to take me like 27 years of holding that policy with no claim mm. to be better off doing a 90-day waiting period. Yeah. So that's why I did a 30-day waiting period and still hold it. Yeah. So I, I've split my waiting period um, because I do have an emergency fund and more. And, it's just, and you can increase it later. You can move all of it to 90 days if you that's want right. to later. Yeah. So it's just a thing. And then, yeah, an advisor would look at your occupation, health, uh, needs, all that stuff, pretty simple. And that's the value of advice. We are pro-advice. Um, Jennifer Neal, great question here, income protection. If I've claimed once and go to claim again, uh, God forbid the same thing strikes me down, will I still get the payment? And if not, would my premiums reduce uh, due to that fact? Yes, you can claim on the same event multiple times with income yep. protection. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a pretty common scenario you have back issues you're off work for three months you know your back doesn't magically get better so like you know 12 months later it might happen again Mm. and you go on the same same claim Mm. same event yeah well my mate matt he uh had a disc replacement on claim with mlc claims paid all that i think he still can't manually work because you know builder and the long story short when he's back working normally he could claim on the same disc replacement again mm. because the policy is completely underwritten. Guaranteed renewable. Guaranteed renewable. Uh, and that might be a good thing to talk about, Phil, the changes. Um, you know, the industry's running at a loss. Yep. If you want to get your income protection happening, kiddies, you know, it's basically you'll be hearing this in April 2020. Sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, get in touch with Phil because the income protection landscape is changing probably second half of this year. It'll it'll be 1 October unless APRA are very generous in extending mm. that. But considering profitability of insurers is still mm. kind of trending in a, in a bad fashion, it'll be 1 October where income protection policies that you sign up today will forever be good. Yeah. Income protection policies that you sign up from 1 October 2021 onwards mm. will be forever not as good. So as an example- That's a technical term of yeah. it. As a really butchered thing, our income protection policies, so mine's AAA rated, occupation, financial advisor or whatever, agreed benefit. Yep. And I'll, I'll make a number up. Yep. If, it's, if I'm insured for $10,000 a month or whatever it is. Tomorrow, if I go and get a job at a coal mine and take a pay cut yep. and uh, am I injured at that coal mine – my policy will still pay the full 10 grand a month, even though I wasn't a financial advisor because it's guaranteed renewable. Yep. At the time you set up yep. the policy. If we set up a policy in October as a financial advisor, 10 grand a month, then I, a couple of years down the track, they're five year terms, the policy. Yep. In five years, I'll say, Glenn, what's your situation? And I say, well, I'm now a coal miner and I'm now earning half. They'll say, okay, well, we're cancelling your bloody policy. Yeah. Because- Too much risk. Too much risk. We don't want to accept that additional risk. So, that's a real blunt, butchered way. Yeah, exactly. And there there are other things. Or they'll increase the premium. Yeah, even the the non-extreme version is I'm a financial advisor and Mm. I now I'm, you know, running a a media business and Mm. and the insurer wants to, you know, increase your premiums by twice, or two times. I have a back claim in that five years. Back claim? No, not going. No, nah, medical medical issues. They can't. They right. can't reinsure for medicals. Okay, so they're just doing occupation, occupation, and income. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Well, that's good then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not going to rewrite they, a there policy. There still can be spikes in costs. Yeah, I mean, and, they but could- they would, but, they yeah. sure, but they would still have the right to cancel the policy if your occupation is different. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, they so, could still cancel it. And that's, and that's what I mean. It's like you might have had a back claim and you've changed jobs and said, well, we're cancelling your policy. Yeah. Your back's not insured anymore. Yeah. So this is a risk, people. And there's and there are other changes. Your mm. your ten grand that you were able to set up before yep. now is only you know eight or or you know yeah. seven and a half grand so now. Get your skates on, everyone. Yeah, if you want quality get your policy in place. Okay, we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to come back and we'll follow up with four or five questions. And I'm having a good fun deep dive here, Phil. Are you? I'm loving it. All right. I'm gonna, Love spending time with you, buddy. I know. Thanks for coming up. Phil's in the studio. He's flown up from Melbourne and uh, yeah, let's have it. I'm going to go actually top up my water. So let's have a quick break. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we're back everyone. Uh, And there might actually be, you know, half hour more if you're you know, wanting to finish this another time. I mean, the people listening can actually see how much longer it is. It's true, so. Phil. It's true. But at the moment, we're in uncharted waters. Yeah. We're strapping in for another yeah. 30 minutes. So, Chrissy Byrne-Athcony says, Barefoot Investor recommends income protection insurance to cover 75% of his salary until age 65 with the 90-day wait. Do you agree? If that ends up costing 2.88% of your insured salary to do it through your super, do you think that's reasonable and how would you make that assessment? Well, Phil. Very specific numbers. I love, I'm, uh, I geek out on the numbers. So 2.88% of your insured salary. So for me, the waiting period is also, is an interesting one. So 90 days, it's a good way to save money, extending that waiting period. Mm. It's a killer at claim time. Every claim I've had on a 90 day, they've asked, is it too late to change it to a 30-day? Yeah. Categorically. Yeah. Um, so, it really does come down to affordability again. Mm. And so, 2.88% of the insured salary is, well, if, if someone's going to say, I'm going to give you 75% of your income between now or between 90 days and age 65 and give me 2.88% of your salary for, the, for that cost, that makes sense to me. That's a good We don't deal. know if it's a net or gross percentage and I'm saying um, to do it through your super, I would hope it's a advised policy, not a default group policy that's been increased. Yeah, and, and yeah, there are some I, I, income protection 100% through super also concerns me a little bit. Yeah, there. you need that split with it. So we mentioned it earlier. Um, the retail policies that an advisor does, you can have it through super. And eighty percent ish of the cost is through super, which there's a twenty percent portion that's the same policy yep. that's outside super. So they'll first claim through the super policy. If they can't get that through super, they'll claim on the portion that's outside super. And um, 
that gets around your cis condition of release issues yeah. and all the, all that stuff. Yeah, all of those things like gainful employment yep. and yeah. I mean, looking back the last twelve months, so COVID's happened for a lot of people. Incomes reduced. So and super I mean, policies only look back twelve months. Yeah, we talked about the Sound Financial House last episode, but I honestly believe once you're out of debt, you might be in your home and you've got your cash is pumping. Like I've got my income protection 100% out of super. I don't have a linked policy or anything like that mm. because I just want my super for retirement savings and it pays a bit of death cover and my TBD owner, any OCK is split between super yeah. and outside of super. But it's just things your advisor would work to your unique situation. Yeah. Look, if there's an article online one day that says Glenn James recommends this, I mean, who cares? Go speak to someone to talk to your own situation. That's you know right. Because I... Mean? I can, I can do blanket, this is what I think, generally speaking, but everyone is so different. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I, I meet with people all the time talking about insurance and the premiums and I can put two of the exact same people in front of me, the exact same income and their premiums. One could be on a 30-day waiting per period and, and someone can go, well, that's perfectly reasonable premium. One can look at the same 30-day waiting period and go, oh, that's way too expensive. Yeah. So. You know, value of protecting your income is is very subjective. And you can't compare your policy to a friend's because yeah. you're likely different age, different occupation, different insured amount, different health status. Different insurance company. Different insurance company. Like, Again, you're going up to 10 to 12 variables mm. that can change your insurance cost to the person next to you. Unless you're both the same age, both the same sex and in both the same group default group super policy. Yeah. Then it'll be exactly the same. But yeah. Other than that, you can't compare. And I will say, you know, Barefoot Investor, he was a little bit, I would publicly disagree with his view on um, trauma insurance. And Because Barefoot Investor said that trauma insurance isn't, isn't of value. He said on his website and in his book that it's just the advisor trying to make more money off of you. Yeah. And I just categorically disagree. And I'd love to have Scott on the podcast because I think he's done great things, but- you know, anything I've said in the past, I probably disagree with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's the only hookup that, you know, being in this world, you're like, tell my builder client at Terrigal who had a trauma claim that it was a waste of money. Yeah. Tell your client who just had breast cancer that had a trauma claim that it was a waste of money. Yeah. You know, I, it's just categorically incorrect. And maybe Scott being from an older demographic, he's seen situations where, Older advisors have legitimately just tried to rip people off and put in policies with higher commission companies, and it's just not that anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But if anyone's listening um, who's in the barefoot investors world and legitimately love to have him on the show, I mean, you just called him old, but um, you can you can apologise for that when no, you come but he's the show. he's Gen X, so yeah. he's mid forties, I'd imagine. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I'd love to have Scott on, but I I would say that I disagree his trauma view to his face. Yeah. And that's fine, but no one's right. It's just views, right? That's right. Yeah. Emma Hansen says, actually, (laughs) there's one thing I agree with old Scotty Pape about, and that's run from (laughs) iSelect. Emma Hansen said, I've had cover since I was 19 through MLC, uh, she didn't want to leave a debt to her parents, etc. Well, that's nice. Uh, your parents wouldn't get your debt 
yet also covered in my super. Should I keep both? I'd say, Emma, just reach out and Phil can have a look at that. Um, is that, can we move on? There's still a f- yeah, there's, oh, yeah. Here. Yeah, have a chat to an advisor. There's plenty of reasons to keep default cover, plenty mm. of reasons why you might want to cancel it. It's very dependent. Emily Burden said, can you increase your level of insurance without having to requalify and potentially have a new medical exclusions introduced? And following on from that, because I think the answer is probably no, mm, not always, um, how best to balance getting a high level cover that will suit you in the future without sending yourself broke because you currently don't earn the income you're expecting to in the future. So a couple of things, income protection, you can only really insure for what your income is at the time. Yep. Lump sum covers like we talked about earlier with Nathan, he's future proofed a couple of years down the line. Yep. I'm not future proofing 10 years. I might do three years yep. maybe. Um, you're supposed to be answering this, Phil, but I haven't given you a chance. Some policies will have a baby benefit or a home benefit if you prove that you've just had a baby. They'll let you increase without medical evidence, 20%, yep. 10%. New I mean, jobs new as well. Jobs and there, all are that some, stuff. there are some clauses in, in contracts that do allow you to, to increase that, it. Have the relationship with the advisor. The advisor's dialed in. The advisor knows the mm. product. And you can say, look, we've just had a baby. And Phil will be like, great, we've got you with towel. I'm making this up. Yeah. They'll let you increase your death cover by twenty percent with yep. no medical evidence. Yep, exactly. which is handy because if you now got diabetes, you might be uninsurable yeah. or at least a loading. Yep. Um, so yeah, the, the original question: Can you increase without going through medicals again? Yeah, potentially, depending on your policy. But it's not going to be a big chunk. No. Like if you've got a five hundred grand policy, and they've got like a baby benefit or a mortgage thing or new job. It might only be a hundred grand, yeah. But if you're like, oh, I need an extra five hundred grand, they'll actually underwrite the whole five hundred. Um, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, Shana says, and maybe we've talked through this. How often should we, Shana Roberts? How often should we review our policies? Should you do it with the financial advisor who set them up? Absolutely, if possible. Yeah. Why was there a big jump in income protection this year? How do you find a good financial advisor to help you get the best for these policies? So. Again, Shana, it sounds like that you've you've got some policies there. You've been left out in the cold, be it from the advisor or you just haven't gone back. Um, I'm a big fan of relationships um, in advice land. I'd probably say have a chat with Phil if you don't know. Or go back to the advisor and if in doubt, let, let us know and we'll connect you with Phil. Yeah, I always say that when clients come to me and they've already got an advisor, I say, well, is there a reason why you haven't gone back yeah. to them? Go back to them first. Yeah, I'm not all about getting Phil all the work and, you know, I'll, I'll send you back to your advisor. Yeah. Um, I think we've touched on the big jump in income protection. You know, there's been some crazy jumps. Mm. Um, it just will get better over time and more sustainable now that APRA have said, hang on, you just can't run at that loss. Yeah. <laughs> Maddie Walton. Hello, Maddie. I think I met you in the Gold Coast. Is it better to go through an insurance broker or financial advisor for insurances, mainly income protection I'm looking at? So, for the personal insurances that we, as in, you know, the financial advice profession set up, you need to be a licensed financial advisor yep. to have the quality stuff. You might go to a general insurance broker but the policies are going to be like a two-year waiting period and this is going to be rubbish. Yeah. And, and you don't get advice. You, know, you, you don't, don't get really advice. get advice. Yeah, you're structuring. not getting any advice at all. And you're not you going to have the product them. range. Yeah, you need to tell them exactly how much cover you want. Yeah. Um, and you need to just be very specific on what you want and then they'll just 
recommend based on price. So, Maddie, reach out to me and bloody Phil can help you out. Drew St. Berg, yeah, IP outside your super fund as a tax deduction or inside so it doesn't affect your daily cash flow thoughts. You just touched on this before. You you prefer to have it outside of super just to get the tax deduction? Well, once you're established. So, if it was we're in debt up to our old walls, we're trying to save for a mortgage, we've got a job and kids, hell, I'd rather you pay for income protection with some of your bloody super for the next two years while you get set up. Yep. Then we can either salary sacrifice to super to the amount that you're paying in because yep. it's a net net tax thing Yeah. or- move it out of super. Yeah. Um, but it, it is that cash flow thing. You know, I don't know how Nath set his up. Split. Yeah, so it's split. So, he's, he's just hedging, bit yeah. in cash flow, bit in super. Just so you- He's just setting it, up his life. If it's split, you get the same policy as if, as if it's all outside of super. Yeah. So, there's still a good quality policy. Yeah. But most of it's still through super. Yeah. And, and Drew says, personally, I've kept it in the super fund. I just want to make sure that that policy is- not a default group policy. Yeah. So, yeah, with the default policies, you don't have an option. You can't yeah. pull that outside of super. So, if, if an advisor set you up with it, you can run with it for five years inside of super and then you can pull it outside of super for most policies. Loz E. Loz says, is it actually worth it going through this process at the moment and it's crazy painful? Well, I, I would probably say I'd rather go through this process now than get a shat policy and have to go through this and wondering if we're going to get a claim. Yeah. As someone who sets up these policies all day long, it is crazy painful. Mm. <laughs> it's painful for the clients, painful for us, um, but it's definitely worth um, knowing what you're going to get paid out for. 100%. And, you know, I shared, you know, earlier when we were chatting, whether it's this episode or the last one, like with my extensive health issues, it was just painful and I've just we just pulled the pin mm. and we will revisit with another insurer. Um, I keep having bloody issues along the – and this is whole non-disclosure thing. So, if you put an application in, you're under the duty of disclosure until that policy is issued. So, you can put the policy in application. They could say, look, send us in your pay slips or we need this proof and – you haven't got back to them within a month and then you go to the doctors while the policy's in, you've got a duty to disclose while the policy's in application. Yep. So, that's important as well. But I think you've just got to get the painful stuff done while the going's good, as in it's not a critical thing, it's just yeah. some housekeeping. Like remember those um, – and I still think old mate – you know, the underwriter who I was telling you yeah, about, because yeah. I know the underwriter who was <laughs> underwriting mine. I honestly feel those, so they wanted to see the histopathology reports of my polyps. They were the bloody histopathology. And I haven't actually, I was meant to call you, tell you this. When I requested them again, they were the ones from freaking Dougley Handless Moy. Like they were it. Yeah. And they still reject. And I just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Just, yeah, I, I begged you not to use that insurance company. I'd let the record. I, I do, but, <laughs> y you know, it, but, and that's what I mean. It's like, this is too hard. The underwriter yeah. clearly doesn't know what a freaking histopathology report is because I've got it. Yeah. And, the, and that's why, like, 
if we were to replay this scenario, that's why product selection is important. If I would have let Phil the advisor yeah. do his job and not <laughs> yeah, advise right. from the back seat. Yeah. If you didn't tell me which insurance company to go with and you let me do my job, we wouldn't have chosen that because of underwriting. Yeah. Underwriting is so important in, in everything that yeah. we oh, do. And, and for me, it's it was more uh, I probably would like to get some extra cover for the business. Mm. It's not critical. Well, yeah, it's a luxury. It's a luxury, it's a luxury item. Yeah, for and sure. it was more like- so for my business, if I had a cancer or a trauma event, I'd want to make sure that the, um, you know, there was maybe, I think we just did 500 grand or something, yeah. like just enough to pay some salaries if I wanted to take time off That's work. It. Well, it's it's a risk I'm probably willing to take, but I was like, oh, I'd like to get some key person cover yeah. and we will probably readdress it. But but yeah, just for with the record. Alter- with an alternative insurer. I kid you I'll not, pick. the histopathology, yeah. it was- and, oh, gosh. I was like, what does this guy want? <laughs> and it's been three years since the last colonoscopy yeah. and there's no issues. Anyway, yeah. I'm ranting about my own crap. So, that's why it's important to get your advisor to recommend the product. Except <laughs> when you freaking work them for me, you do what I say and then it goes wrong anyway. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, Stilio Ketsis, when comparing insurance, what should you look for? Um only goes like because I mentioned Phil in the comments. Um, comparing insurance with let's say Phil's insurance and your super offering uh, the same type of insurances. So I'll let you. Answer well, that. have a have a listen to the last episode. Yeah, um, we did it. We did a massive talk on the yeah, different part times. One. Yeah, yeah, part one. And it will always be tailored um, to you. And I will say though, Phil, like particularly around trauma, um, you know, there is a particular family history of. Um, because when I was doing it, there was sometimes a link with family history of breast cancer and ovarian cancer. Yeah. And there could be some trauma policies that are stronger in those areas and underwriters who will insure on a family history of this or that, or if your mum had um, breast cancer and she was under 40, this insurance company might not be as favorable as that. So again, it's just horses for courses. It's so customizable. Yeah. Um, and underwriting, it comes out in underwriting. Yeah. Oh man, I don't want to read that long one. So let's just go. Right, to so, Abby. so can you still be covered while you're overseas? Yes. Yeah, for good quality cover, you can be. Yeah. Some default covers they don't cover you while you're. Overseas. I think I shared on the um, the policy we did in 2018. I had a client had a policy. He moved to USA. Only I said, just keep paying the policy, mate. Like yeah. you'll be insured. Had a car accident in the states and claimed on it in Australia. The insurers have the right to make you come home to be reviewed, but you look at countries like the USA, you know, England, mm. you, you know, top tier countries or whatever you say, non-developing countries yeah. who have a less chance of fraud in the medical system. Uh, the insurance company at the time said, we will find a uh, neurosurgeon to go to. They will review your back and fill out a third party doctor's report. Yeah. If we're satisfied, we'll pay the claim. Didn't have to come back to Australia. Yeah. Now, if they're in the Middle East or somewhere, um, Africa or parts of Asia where they don't have those connections on the ground in developing countries, uh, they can say, yeah, we'll pay the claim, but come back to Australia and be reviewed at your own cost. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's a whole thing for expats and all that. It's a bit broader discussion, but um, that's fine. Yeah. If you're already overseas, pretty difficult. Yeah. Not, Especially during COVID. That's right, yeah. Not impossible, impossible but 
Now there are insur- and there are insurers who will accept that risk, mm. but most most decline. Yeah, Ali has a good question here. Are there benefits to having trauma cover when Ali squires? That is when there is a great public health system for emergencies, heart attacks, etc. And having the health insurance and emergency fund to help cover lost wages. You know, I've got my two cents on that. Do you? Uh, m- well, my view is. Yes, there's a benefit in having it. We we talked about it. Like trauma can be seen as an as, as a luxury. Mm. My view is I want it. Mm. I want to make sure me and Kate, my wife, have trauma insurance cover. Yeah, because too many people we know have had claimable events, mm. um, and we want to be in the position where we can focus on our treatment and get the care we need. Yeah, uh, at that point in time, a client who's just going through um, her claim at the moment walks in and gets chemo and out the door, she's $2,000 worse off um, just for one chemo treatment and, and mm. um, some drugs, not not including any specialist appointment or through anything else. Through the public system? No, she wasn't through the public system. Yeah. But, um, but I guess I would say, I'll give you an example. Heart attack, you get rushed to hospital, you get fixed, no out-of-pocket. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Now- if you were off work for 30 days, your income protection would trigger. Yeah. And then you could go and claim as long as you're off work. When you, as long as you're off work, when you are ready to work or you're medically able to work, yep. the doctor will say you can work so we can't sign off on the income protection. Yeah. Having that trauma benefit of even a hundred grand or whatever that is, and particularly surviving a cancer diagnosis, mm. it could be, you know what? We've been through hell. I've got some trauma proceeds. We're going to have the rest of the year off. Yep. Or conversely, I've got the trauma proceeds. There's some treatment in Germany. We're taking the whole family up. We've got options because all money does is gives you options. Yeah. Not always. A lot of the time. We know with some things- um, you know, Steve Jobs, pancreatic cancer, all the money in the freaking world can't help you. Yeah. But it gives you just that nicer option. So, another example is, and um, I may need to give you approval because it's about my (laughs) sister-in-law. Yeah. But my my sister-in-law is, my brother's married to my wife's sister. Mm. Very close, very similar families. They've got three young kids. They just had their youngest daughter, a few months before my sister-in-law had bowel cancer. Mm. My brother had no annual leave because he already used it all because they had some complications with Darcy's birth. Mm. Um, And so he was having to work at the same time as as she was getting treatment. Mm. And she went through the public system. Their out-of-pocket cost wasn't that great, but just the stress and the anxiety of needing to work, being supported by family members throughout that process... I know just having a, you know, a forty dollar trauma, forty dollar a month trauma policy that's yeah. going to pay him one hundred and fifty grand, is worth so much more than that. $40 and that's right. So if someone, yeah, was you know, public hospital, that's fine. It's free. Yeah, you're insured. Your spouse can take six months off. Yeah, paid exactly. So, but again, it's the luxury of yeah. They're not bankrupt. They didn't sell no. their house. No, but no. so it would have been a luxury, but. I know when you're in that situation, Mm. it's not seen as a luxury. Mm. So, I mean, that kind of wraps up all the questions um, that we could be bothered answering. 
um, yep. because a lot of them in the face group started to repeat. And I might get you to jump in, Phil, and maybe just have a read of them over the next couple of days and maybe say, yeah, we answered this or refer to the yeah. episode. Yep. And I think the one thing I want you to understand is there's no insurance recommendation that Phil would do or any advisor would do that would be identical to the next client. Mm. Like I just haven't seen it. No. And and one thing I would say is like insurance is fundamentally a waste of money. Every insurance policy is mm. until it's not. Until you need it. Until you need it. And because you're buying a claim yeah. that might happen. Yeah. And this is the whole thing. It's like I want you to understand the logic of insurance mm. and apply it in your life. A guy I know categorically is happy to not have private health insurance. Yeah. And he goes, I'm happy to pay the levy. And he gets it. Yeah. He's like, I've got to get some surgery, whatever, I don't care. I'll just go public. Like he doesn't care, but he's owning that decision. Yeah. And it's like, well, don't bitch if you have an event and you just decided not to be insured because yeah. it's too late. Yeah. So just own it and- yeah, I don't know. I just I'm getting tired now. It's probably very late. But no, that's kind of good. No, thank you everyone for all your questions. I hope this has been helpful. Do you think it's been good? I, I think it's been great, and to me, it just proves that there's no one single answer that will cover everything. Mm. Because someone who's in the insurance world every day will tailor a package to the client, to the policy that suits their situation, to the sums insured, to the tax structure the estate planning structure. We didn't even touch on freaking estate planning. No. And and also, if you've got any questions, ask the advisor who prepared the, the report. Like we, I know I communicate as much as I can to clients, but there's so much work in the background that, you know, I'd be sitting there for four hours with every client explaining everything we've mm. done. And But if you've got any questions, ask, ask a question. Your advisor is always going to be willing to answer any questions for you. At the time of this recording... I booked in to speak to a listener in New Zealand and my first Kiwi listener interview whose husband died suddenly. Yep. Under 40. And let me tell you people, life is real. And as much as I'm a dickhead with this microphone, most of the time, please, 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 if you've got kids, if you've got debt, Get some death cover mm. as a minimum. Sure, if you're a tight ass and don't want income protection, whatever, own that. Get some bloody death cover because when you die or your wife dies or your husband dies or mm. whatever the bloody situation is, the best thing that you can do to your spouse and partner and kids to say I love you is he's 800 grand mm. or whatever the amount is. Or 2.8 million. Or whatever that is. <laughs> the I mean, getting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I should chat with Kate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Kate. It's Glenn here. Well, I mean- Instant family. John, I'll take care of your kids, Phil. Oh, my kids are awesome. They are, yeah. They're the best. I'm not sure if you'd be awesome for them. No. <laughs> the parenting's done. You. Yeah, well, we did the hard yards. So, yeah, yeah you right. just pick up, pick yeah, up the easy Youngest is six. That's yeah. easy enough. Do the school run. Yeah. Man, I'd have a bloody stroke. I'd need insurance <laughs> before I stepped into your role. But that's it. Like, I can't be more serious. Life is so real. Mm. You know, best friend of mine dropped dead on the other side of the world. He was insured. 
I've done personal claims for cancer, terminal illness, cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that was a trauma benefit. Yeah. I had my own partial benefit and it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, if I didn't get that melanoma and I only went to the get the check because I had a gut feeling that I needed a skin checkup. Mm. Like just crazy. And your mind just wanders. Like what if I didn't go and get a skin checkup and if that melanoma went vertical, yeah, it could be good night, Glenn. Yeah, yeah. And that's and, it, yeah. and again, it's not a, it's not a take out the policy or don't take out the policy. It's a take out the policy, or reduce the premium somehow, or don't take out the policy. Mm. And if you don't own it, yeah. Cool, mate. Thanks for having me. It's been real. Sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help. Just say you listen to Glenn and Phil have a rant about insurance. Because it's just so important that Phil knows that you've got this base level of mm. understanding. Yeah. So, he just knows that you've listened to this. Yeah. Um, and I trust Phil. And I might not send you to Phil if you say I'm in bloody Broome and I want someone in Perth. We'll, we'll sort you out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Phil, you've got capacity over the coming weeks and months, particularly before October for that yeah, yeah. IP. Yeah, well- um, we are preparing for a lot of income protection policies. Yeah. Um, and you're in good hands, everyone. So, we'll, um, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Phil Thompson. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.